You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. So when you want to call, you dial that number. Call! It's the Jeep Talk Show Call-In Show with Tammy and Tony. They're going to be talking Jeeps with you. There's no show without you, so call in now. Just make the call. Good call! That's why I'm calling now. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us. This is episode 21 of the Jeep Talk Call-In Show. This is where you get a chance to talk live directly to Tony and myself. So please don't be shy and give us a call. Each week we have a question or a topic of discussion about Jeeps or the Jeep life. We would love for you to call in and share your Jeep experiences with us. So call in now. You know you'll be you're you'll know you're on when you hear us in your phone. And when it's your turn you'll know. Just dial 302-202-1110 and enter in the code 2198835. Well, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> it's fine. Oh uh, my just, god! Just act like it was. That's the way it was supposed to that's, be. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm over here in Texas. You know me as uh, Tony, and uh, that's because that's my name, and uh, or at least that's what I tell you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody would always say, "Call me something." I thought you were. Uh, I thought you went by blah blah blah. I'd say, "No, that's my stage name." I always get a chuckle out of them. They weren't sure what I was talking about, I think. Anyway, uh, so uh, down here in Texas, Tammy's way over there in Maryland. Tammy, uh, any snow? I think you were getting a smattering of snow, and uh, it disappeared. Yep, none. Just a little itty-bitty stuff. Have you seen North Dakota, though? Oh, my goodness. I guess I've been watching the news. Oh, my Lord. That looks like fun. Uh, so, um, like Tammy said, we're uh, doing a little live, uh, call-in show right here and, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just give us a call at, uh, 219, I'm sorry, 302-202-1110 and then put in the code 219-835. Tammy, what's the, uh, the topic of conversation tonight? Well, last week on the Jeep Talk show, we were, I was talking about off-road trail etiquette and I gave some tips on do's and don'ts on the trail and I thought it would be really interesting to hear from some other people on some trail etiquette that they may be able to share with us that we, we might not know or maybe some great trail etiquette stories or some you know horrible trail etiquette stories so um, actually I asked you could either leave a message for the Jeep Talk Show leave um, a post on our Jeep Talk Show forum. And somebody actually left um, a post on the Jeep Talk Show forum. And he said something that happens to him is when another Jeep is going by him, they'll give him the peace sign. And it's like a Jeep wave, but he's thinking the Jeepers telling him there's two more Jeeps behind him. So he sits there and waits and waits and waits and there's no jeeps so that's kind of like a little pet peeve for him is you know if you're going to wave at someone give them you know i don't know maybe not wave with your fingers i don't know but he sits and waits because he's thinking they're telling him there's two jeeps coming so what does it mean uh the the times that i've been off-road there wasn't such a large number of, of people on the trail that we really didn't have to worry about trail etiquette what is What's the the point of the, the there's two more jeepers? Does that mean he shouldn't cut in because then he would be in the middle of the 
the, group? the other group. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, I and I know at Roush Creek, some of the trails are really you know narrow in some points, mm-hmm. so you really should wait for the one group to go by you before you you start. Before you continue on. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, so, um, hmm. I guess you could always use the, uh, the last two fingers. Right. And then the other two fingers for peace. I guess I could see the peace being, uh, uh, I'm not stuck up and it's a, a, a form of, uh, how you doing type thing. And right. Or wave. I don't know. Um, so what part I of the country was this? Pardon? What part of the country was that in? Maybe it's uh, something uh, 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 having to do with the part of the country. Yeah, Phoenix. He he wrote. Yeah, I think he's from Phoenix. It doesn't say. Gotcha. Well, maybe it's part of the country. Maybe uh, you're out there in a part of the country, and uh, maybe you're listening to this uh, uh, this as a recording, and you'd still like to join in in the conversation. Well, you can do that. Just by uh, giving our uh, uh, the uh, voicemail number that we have, that you can call in, and uh, we can actually uh, address this on the the main show, the Jeep Talk Show that we have Thursday nights. Uh, what is that? Five three zero six seven five four one zero two. Just get your uh, your voicemail in. It doesn't have to be about this. It could be about anything really. But uh, you can uh, call in and uh, let us uh, know what uh, the various signs are that you use when you're on the trail. And uh, even humorous ones are okay. Well, it looks like Brad has called us, and uh, let's get over to Brad. Hey, Brad, thanks for calling in. Did Brad, you, you're on the air. Did you click it, Tammy? I clicked it, and it went oh, back to no, me. I didn't. I didn't click anything. Okay, that's fine. There, there we go. I think it's unmuted now. How are we doing tonight? Doing good. It's funny. I clicked it, and then I looked over there, and it was uh, muted. Did you get the 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 announcement a couple of times? Nope, just once. Okay. Well, it must not have clicked. The button's not clickable. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Brad? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Uh, did uh, was Santa Claus good to you? Warm. He was. I uh, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good Christmas over here. Got a light bar for my Jeep, just a little 15 inch light bar, but it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I love it, and um, we got a lot of snow, so that was fun too. Is it, is it one of those, uh, what do they call it, OSRAM or operating system RAM, uh, as I always call it, because it's O-S-R-A-M. Is it an OSRAM or just a, uh, a one of those uh, non, uh, I guess the OSRAM basically has the little uh, lenses, so it, it concentrates the beam in a more narrower environment. No, this is more of like the floodlight. It it def- definitely doesn't have much of a beam. It's just a an all, like a radiating out in all directions type of floodlight. Yeah, those. But, uh, I live. I live in some pretty thick wooded areas, and so um, that's what I was looking for. Something that where I could see the sides of the roads as good as the, as what's in front of me because of you know there's a lot of elk and and deer, and I frankly don't want to find out what an elk's going to do to the oh, front of an elk. Man, yeah, you definitely don't. That's worse. That definitely. would be that'd be worse than a kangaroo down under <laughs> or on over the top. Yeah, yeah, oh. for sure. All right, Tammy, jump on well, in there and ask him a question. Well, Brad, we were talking about trail etiquette, off-road etiquette. Did you have something to share? Yeah, I had a, an interesting story. I'm going to kind of throw myself under the bus a little bit here. <laughs> um, I, I think this qualifies under the trail etiquette um, category. So 
so this was back when I first started jeeping, and I lived up in Utah, and there's a lot of um, a lot of Forest Service roads that run through um, paddle land. And uh, back in my younger years, I thought it was pretty entertaining to mess around with the cows quite a bit. And so we would go up there, and I I'd made a uh, two bumper for my jeep, and we would we'd get up and try to see how close we could get to him and maybe even nudge him a little bit sometimes. So this <laughs> is the thing that we would do. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, uh, the last time that I thought it would be funny, we were coming up a road and it, the, the dirt road made a sharp turn and there was a bunch of cows and they were in the way. And so this is more just, they were irritating us. And so we started honking and kind of pushing through them. And right as we come around the corner, there was, four cowboys up on horses and they were not happy about the fact that we were harassing their cows so eh, you know i i I love to eat beef and i don't really care for for them other than that but uh i think it's probably pretty smart not to mess with another man's business so i think uh, given livestock their their space is probably a pretty smart smart idea on the trail well, I have a tendency to agree with you, but let me ask you this. Were you on private property? No, uh, but but a lot of land over over here is, um, it's like BLM land, and then the, the uh, cattle guys lease the land from the federal government. So it's kind of a shared thing. Like, they have just a right, just as much a right to be there as we do. So you kind of you well, know, yeah, and that's what I was like thinking, and, and they just and they they should have as much right to get their cattle the hell out of the way, <laughs> since you're trying to share what Breed. what we what belongs to all of us. So, yeah, well, I mean, as long as you didn't do any damage to the uh, to the cows, I can't imagine. I mean, they can be upset, but <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that people can be upset yeah. over. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a good uh, um, a good attitude that you have about it. But but frankly, it doesn't sound like you did yeah. anything wrong. Yeah, it was just you know, well, it's, it's never maybe good to nudging them, help it. And it was one of those things where I, you know, being young and and stupid, you just yeah, don't really think things through. And then you get caught harassing some other dude's property, and it uh, it, it definitely wasn't a positive experience. Uh, you know, it probably is kind of a gray area who was in the right or who was in the wrong, but. Generally speaking, I think most people, especially up in that area, would take take the cattle cattle guys' side on it. But oh well, yeah, you know, I just think in general. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind too is we do we do. There's a lot of trails that go in and out of private property, and even though the road itself is is still uh, technically you know public land on either side, so you know you just want to be respectful of who whoever livestock it is and whatnot. So. And you really, really need to, you know, just like don't feed the bears, don't, you really just need to leave Mother Nature animals, just should leave them alone, I would think. Yeah. Well, and we don't want to give any other excuses to people to try to take away our land access and right. whatnot. So it's it's kind of one of those things, regardless of, of what what really is right or wrong, it's it's just better not to give them fuel. <laughs> yeah, fire that's and, that's kind of my point, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter what's logical, it's, what makes sense. Let's just do what the people in power want us to do, right? Because <laughs> exactly. we don't because we don't it's want that, anything taken away is, from us. But it is what it is. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Well, I so, kind of I rail against that sort of thing. So anyway, Brad, what kind of 
I know you've called before, right? Yeah, so your... that was the other reason why I wanted to call tonight. I was kind of wanting to give an, a quick update, and I'll try to keep it really fast. But if you remember, I called in, oh, probably about a month and a half or so ago, and uh, I've, I've been listening to the show pretty much nonstop for two months. Since I discovered. <laughs> and, uh, but I've been a long, long-time Jeep fan. You know, I, I bought my first Jeep when I was 21, and this is my seventh Jeep. Um, and I, I bought, uh, it's a 97 Jeep Cherokee. It's white. I bought it from my brother-in-law, so I'm actually pretty familiar with the Jeep. And uh, he, had, he had blown, he thought he blew the engine in it, and I, uh, I uh, tried to buy it from him about a year and a half ago when it happened, and he wasn't having it. And then he since is having a baby, and so he was willing to sell it. So I went up over Thanksgiving break, and the plan was to do a motor swap and then drive it home. And the last time I had seen the Jeep, it was in pretty good condition inside and out. Like, it was really well taken care of, and it drove really nice. It's got a lift and uh, oversized tires and stuff on it. It's actually got a roof rack that I built, um, stuff like that. And so, anyways, it was pretty good shape. And so when I was talking to my brother-in-law on the phone, you know, I'm like, if I do the motor swap, do you think I can drive it home? And he was like, oh, yeah, no problem. So I get up there, and I end up finding out that the motor wasn't bad. It was just a blown head gasket. So that was kind of a lucky break. And I had a, I had already lined up a motor. And so I just swapped the heads and I had it going in about a day and a half. Um, so that all went really well and I was super pumped. And then I go to take it for a test drive and it was driving fine in town. And then I was like, all right, I better take it on the freeway because I have a, what is it? 520 mile trip back to where I live. You know, and so I was like, better see how it does on the freeway. So I get it on the freeway, and it just starts shaking and throwing me around like a rag doll. I mean, death wobble doesn't even begin to describe it. And so I was like, oh, man. And then I ended up spending the whole rest of my vacation just working out all the kinks on the front end. Oh, I never bummer. did get it 100% smoothed out, but I got it good enough to where I was able to drive it the rest of, or drive all the way home, and I didn't have any problems. So it was pretty wild. What speed were you having the death wobble issue at? Oh, it was it was bad from about forty five to fifty all yeah. the way up to seventy five. Oh, jeez! Like if I could get it over seventy five, it would start to it would start to smooth out a little bit, but not much. And it was pretty scary just getting it up that fast. So did well, you? And when when I first drove it, I couldn't I couldn't get it over fifty miles an hour. Like it was so bad, I couldn't even get it over fifty miles an hour. But I ended up doing uh, pretty much all the steering linkage. So I did all the uh, tie rod ends, drag link, steering stabilizer. Then I ended up doing – so what ended up being one of the worst problems was the right um, axle joint was bad, way bad. Oh, okay. Almost completely gone. So that ended up being the worst part of it. But I didn't find that out until I had already rebuilt all the steering. And then, um, and then I – I knew the ball joints were starting to go bad. They were, they had a little bit of play in them, but in my experience has been that the ball joints will definitely uh, allow the death wobble to be worse, but it won't cause death wobble. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like tires or something else that will, will start the vibration. But then because you have that, you have that excessive play in the ball joints, then it makes it even worse. So anyways, I went ahead and pulled, Pulled the right hub assembly to do the upper and lower ball joints because they were 
pretty bad. And that's when I saw the axle joint. And I was like, ah, oh, stink. I probably could have gotten away with just doing that. But because um, nothing else really was that bad. Like, I just couldn't figure out why it had such a bad vibration. And so then, you know, like I said, once I found that axle joint, I was like, oh. And it, it made me so mad that it took me that long to even find it. It should have been one of the first things I checked. But you know how it is. You just get so distracted by other things. It's easy to look over something simple. So now you have like a brand new Jeep. <laughs> You've replaced everything. Yes, yes I do. So, well, and the um, funny thing is uh, a, week, a week after I got back from bringing it home, I had uh, my first elk hunt, and uh, I ended up driving about oh, 15 to 20 miles each way round trip. So I'd wake up super early and head out to the woods, but it's just all dirt road going, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour. And so I beat it way hard for pretty much a week straight. And she took it like a champ. It was awesome. She did really good. So I'm, I'm super happy to, to have an XJ again and to be back out on the trails. So what size uh, tires is, uh, is on that, uh, that white Jeep? So it's got 31s. Um, I, I'm probably going to be running 33s by the end of this year. Um, but there's, there's a pretty long list of stuff I need to do. I want to, I want to put some lockers on it and, uh, completely re rebuild the axles, do gearing and all that. So of course you got to save up to like buying a small house and a third world country <laughs> to yeah, buy lockers for those dang things. So, um, so it'll take a while, but I, I want to do it all at once, you know, do the gearing and the lockers and, and then go bigger on tires all at once. So when you found out there was a, uh, an issue with the, uh, uh, I guess it's death wobble that you were going through, did you uh, go back to your uh, brother-in-law and say, hey, man, what the hell? Why didn't you tell me yeah. there was death wobble with it? Give me a discount. Yeah, I definitely gave him a hard time about not being more forthcoming with uh, how bad it was and then uh, – I uh, I gave him a hard time, but I didn't I didn't make him give me any money back. Well, I, I probably should have though. I I I did all the work myself. I've been a mechanic for a long time, and I still dumped uh, I think it was nine hundred bucks in parts into that front end. And wow. uh, well, th that was the front end and getting the motor going. So right. head gasket set and oil and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, but for um, the head gasket, I think. But for the head gasket, you're only talking about buyer, like uh, what forty bucks and. Uh, another forty bucks in oil, yeah. and uh, did you reuse yeah. the reuse the head bolts? Yep, I reused the head bolts because I knew that motor had never been taken apart before. Um, so, and they say that you're good. To be honest, though, with the Jeep, I know they say that the head bolts are have a limit. I've reused so many freaking head bolts and never once had a problem with them on on a four O. Now, other cars are way way more sensitive about it, like. I also have have dabbled around in Volkswagens, and like those ones, you pretty much cannot reuse the head bolt. Right. So, um, but my experience with with the 4.0s is, I've never had a head a head bolt fail ever, and I've rebuilt the same motor three times and reused the head bolts each time and never had a problem with it. So, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I've been told that uh, unless you stretch them, unless they're they're actually stretched whenever you torque them, that you can reuse them. So, um, don't know. Uh, that's what we did on the uh, the motor that I have in, in my Jeep right now. So, 
uh, I was showed, I was shown how you can just hold them up and compare them side by side, uh, with, uh, some, with a bolt that I guess hasn't been used and, uh, see if it's been stretched or not. And if it hasn't how been stretched, would you stretch them? Well, they stretch normally. Uh, that's, really? that's the reason why you, yeah, you know, all metal, all metal will stretch at some point. Yeah. So, so when you're torquing uh-huh. them, they, but they, the they, is- they can stretch. Right, but the thing, the the nice thing about the four O is they have such a high torque, um, uh, torque spec to begin with that those bolts are pretty high quality. I mean, to be able to to be able to torque it down to what is it, one twenty, one hundred twenty foot pounds, um, it's either gonna take it or it's gonna break. Like it'll break before it gets one hundred twenty if it's a bad bolt. I think I don't know. I mean, I'm sure for every for every person that argues that one way there's a guy out there that can say oh i've i've had one that failed and it just it comes down to you know if you're the one doing the work it's up to you to make that decision and take that right yeah it's your you responsibility know. of course right and uh and, and of course the, I, the proper way to do it is if you guys don't already know it's the, the i think the bolts are two use bolts so you can the, they use them once at the factory and then uh you can use right. it one more time and then after that you're supposed to replace them and if I remember right, it's 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 a it's like a hundred bucks or so for another set of bolts because those are some pretty heavy yeah, heavy duty bolts. Cheap. Right, they're not cheap. And let's be honest, that's more often than not that's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I I've been doing mechanics long enough to fully appreciate the value of using brand new parts whenever possible. Like if if I had an unlimited budget, you better believe there's not a single bolt on that Jeep that when I pulled it off, I would put, replace with a brand new one. But in yeah. reality, it just it just isn't in the budget most. And you talking about you know all bolts when, or just these particular ones for the head gasket? Well, the 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 ones uh, that hold the head I'm to the block, the ones that hold the head to the block, yeah. you you generally want to make sure that those bolts aren't stretched and will hold the proper torque. If they don't, then your head gasket can blow, and you can run into an issue of uh, having the water into the oil and your peanut butter and your chocolate and you know the whole mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. So it, it's under that's that's where all the compression is happening during the explosion, the controlled explosions. So those those bolts are there's quite a few of them because you need to have that head pulled down tight all over the top of the engine. In, in the case of the 4.0, so uh, if it's not, then you know you could uh, blow another head gasket. And it does happen. I know also in the uh, in diesels that's another big problem because there's such oh, yeah. high compression motors. They that they almost never reuse the head bolts. There, if you do a head gasket, you have to you have to replace the bolts. So I I do know that there's there's definitely some validity to to the bolts having some um, limitations, but uh, I, I think in the 4.0 uh, specific circumstance, they're they're pretty darn strong and, and you're just not likely to run into that problem yeah it's uh generally the jeep, that's, that's jeep stuff is opinion. generally good stuff at least back from that time frame and what year uh, uh cherokee is this a 97 oh okay so um yeah so uh, the the head that you put on there what was it from what uh year uh engine is it from so this this brother-in-law of mine, me and him are friends. We we got we were friends before we became brother-in-laws. We married sisters. It's kind of crazy, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> so back when we were still single, he bought this '97 Jeep from a dealership. It was used, but it had, you know, at the time it was only five or six years old, and uh, and it had uh, just over a hundred thousand miles. And the person that owned it before had put 
a, a legitimate competition style stereo system in it. So it has dyno mat through the whole thing, like floors, doors, everything, right. and just the most ridiculous stereo system ever. Well, I bought, um, about a week later, I bought, I think it was my fourth or maybe fifth Jeep Cherokee, which was my 92 uh, XJ, and it was a Laredo, which, if I remember correctly, was the precursor to the Grand Cherokee. So it had leather seats and electric everything and all this stuff, but the only problem was is it was a 92, and so nothing worked on it. And then it had oh. a really bad cancerous uh, rust. Oh, yeah. But... It had Dana 44s front and rear with Detroit lockers in it. Oh, so it I remember this. You sold most, those 44s. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was my most oh, favorite. Oh, that's right. Phone mm. And the one I'm most sad about getting rid of. Yeah. But anyway, so I parted it out and I sold the motor to my brother-in-law because his 97, the one that I own now, had already started. He thought it had an engine tip. And so he thought the motor, like the rod bearings were starting to go bad or something. And so when I was parting out my Jeep, he's like, hey, I'll buy, you know, buy your motor just in case mine blows up. Right. My motor ran great. And it, even though it was a way older Jeep, it had less miles. And so I sold him the motor and he put it in his dad's garage and it sat there for the last five years. And so when I bought the Jeep back from him, I also got the motor from my old Jeep. It was oh. part of the deal. And so that was that was the head that I I snagged. Huh. So did you put the uh, the old head or the head that you took off the 97 did you put it back on the 92 engine? Yeah, don't ask me what I did with it because it makes me cry inside. Oh, you're you know, you'd make a bunch <laughs> of bad decisions. You sold those Dana 44s and then you made this bad decision on the okay, 4.0. <laughs> I left, so I ended up taking it, I took it to a scrapyard, I shouldn't have, but the problem was I was in Utah, I had to drive 500, or 5,000, sorry, 500 miles to get home, you know, it's an eight, nine hour drive in a Jeep that was already overloaded with, you know, 500 pounds worth of tools, plus a ridiculous amount of garbage that I picked up while I was up there. So <laughs> now I just, whose fault I just is that? I have the room for it, <laughs> and I know someday the bottom end in this Jeep's going to explode. And I'm going to hate myself for not bringing it home, but I just, I didn't have a choice. Oh, you can, right. No, you can rebuild that one. It's just, uh, it's just a shame, you know, since they're not making those 4.0s anymore to, to have one and then, uh, you know, not, not make some sort of arrangement where you can at least, uh, uh, get it when you need it. But, uh, yeah, it's just like the right. Dana 44 is you, you made a good profit on that. So it's, it's completely understandable. But when people hear, you have a front and rear uh, Dana 44, and then you don't have it anymore. They go, oh, they just feel that pain. So mm -hmm. uh, I have to you yeah. know, help yeah. you feel that pain again. It's all part of the show. Yeah. Make <laughs> him feel exactly. bad. Tony's never going to call back. <laughs> He'll call back. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, so I got to, I got a question I want to ask, and uh, it maybe even end up being a topic for, a ne for another call-in show. And uh I bring it up just because we were already on something controversial, so and I, I'm bringing up knowing that this is another one of those topics. But my Jeep has it's got a four and a half inch lift on it, but I think it originally was a three a three and a half inch lift, and they just put taller uh, springs on it, but they didn't change the control arms. So it's got aftermarket upper and lower control arms, but they're non-adjustable. 
and my tires fit my front tires fit a little bit towards the back in the wheel well and it drives me crazy so i've been thinking about either upgrading to some adjustables but i'm i'm a welder fabricator so i'm really just wanting to convert my non-adjustables to adjustables so this is my question one is i'm pretty sure people have done this before but if I would like to hear if anybody's got experience. And I know the majority of guys that have done it probably have done it with legitimate builder parts from either Rusty's or, you know, who, whoever, different suppliers who make the Johnny joints or the, um, the ends and you just weld it all together, basically. I want to try taking a grade A bolt, like a one-inch grade A bolt and welding it, so cut, cutting the end off of, of my control arm and then using the bolt to, to make the adjustment, if that makes any sense. So I wanna hear what people's opinion are. I know it'll probably be mostly negative because it's kind of frowned upon to do it, but I, I guarantee there's gotta be somebody out there that's done it and had had relatively good success, if not great success with it, so. Hmm. Yeah, I would think that that weld would have to be a really, really good weld because you're talking about a lot of uh, a lot of stresses, especially when you're off-road, uh, right there where that weld is. So uh, I think that, that what they do, the the actual uh, bona fide uh, uh, adjustable control arms, they're, they're actually threading that, uh, that uh, steel pipe that uh, I, I would, yeah. wouldn't even call it a pipe. I guess it would just be a stock bar, and they're threading it. So uh, it's not like they're joining two pieces of metal together. They're just... Uh, removing some material for threads so it can thread into the other half, which would be, um, I think, I'm not a welder, but I would think that would be a lot stronger than any weld you could make. Right. And they, which is totally true. They, I, and the, you know how it is with the lifts. There's some that are higher end quality lifts and some are lower. So there's, there's kind of two different points that you have to worry about, right? There's the point where it attaches to the bar and that's what you're talking about. So you could either have a solid bar and they drill a hole and thread it. And so obviously that's going to be the strongest because there's no welds. As long as that's a good solid piece of metal that they're threading into, mm-hmm. you're going to have a hard time beating that. Another way I've seen them do it is they actually do use like a thick walled tubing. And right. then they use, um, I forget what they're called. It's an insert. So it's like kind of mushroom shaped. So part of the threaded, nut or whatever you want to call it actually goes inside the pipe and then part of it is the same diameter as the pipe so once it lines up then you make that weld and so you have a good weld on the outside plus the insert that actually goes inside the pipe so that's also a really strong joint and so i get what i'm trying to do would definitely not be as strong because you don't have that insert but i think what i would probably do is something similar like either stack the nuts so and weld them together and then um, maybe try to grind them down so part of it is inside the tube. Uh, I don't know, something like that. But And then the other problem, the, the, the side that worries me more is the other, the, the other end, which generally in a, in a high-quality adjustable control arm, that's all a forged or CNC billet, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like a solid piece of metal. None of it was ever welded. And so trying to take and just weld a big bolt to which an, what is initially just a round piece of pipe with some bushings in it, you know, because that's all that that end of the control arm is. That's I think it'd be really probably pretty hard. But I think if 
you stuck enough bracing on there. May not look pretty, but you could get it pretty <laughs> darn strong. Well, it's yeah, my thought, but I, yeah, I don't know. At some point, you have to figure uh, what's your time worth, and uh, you know, you, you figure in how much it's going to cost you uh, in your time to do all that stuff, and then you look at the price of the the ones that are uh, tried and tested. So. Uh, that's a hard decision, but an interesting question. I, I, I may have misunderstood you. My uh, adjustable control arms kind of have the adjustment, um, not in the middle, but kind of in the middle. Uh, so I'm thinking, I was thinking you'd be putting a, a, a grade eight bolt kind of towards the middle, and that would be a lot of uh, stress. And I think what you're talking about is having at the end. Of course, the other thing you could do is uh, just measure out uh, the uh, control arm uh, length that you need and uh, weld on the, the Johnny joints onto the end and then just use it. It wouldn't have to be adjustable. You you could, uh, and you'd have more strength there so that there was an adjustment. But anyway, we got about as much time uh, that we can spend on that tonight. It's only a 30-minute show, so thank you a lot for calling tonight, Brad. We well, really you, appreciate Brad. it. Great conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's going to be it for tonight, folks. We really appreciate you calling in or listening to the show or appreciate Brad calling in. Yeah, um, great conversation about trail etiquette. Um, And if you still have a story to share, we'd love to share it with everyone on the Jeep Talk Show, which we will record live Thursday night at 10 o'clock Central Time at jeeptalkshow.com. And don't forget, we'll be here again Tuesday night for the Jeep Talk Call-In Show. And we will have to come up with a topic again, Tony. Any suggestions? Not right off the top of my head, uh, Timmy. Um, hmm, I would have thought a, a good topic for tonight would be, what did you get for Christmas? Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Maybe uh, New Year's resolutions. I mean, I think everybody does that. Maybe we can be yeah. more creative than that. But those are just a couple off the top of my head. Oh, and don't forget about the uh, Jeep Talk Forum. So if you're uh, if you're not a forum goer because you've gotten beaten up so many times over at the, uh, the various forums that you visit, you might want to give uh, JeepTalkForum.com a try because, well, we don't beat anybody up. It's just We're a, nice. Yeah, friendly site, and uh, yep. don't. there's no dumb questions. We're just going to try to answer your questions, just like we do here. Exactly. Folks, thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Thanks, guys. <laughs>